0: Hello and welcome
1: to the Rosh Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Pet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Esports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 716 Hawaii. I am joined as always by Jihei Wally. Jihei, how are you? I'm feeling undefeated here, Arash. Undefeated. (laughs) You know what? This is uh, taking me back, you know, because uh, it's just you you and I today. And uh, this is how the show began. You're a Clippers fan. I'm a Lakers fan. Can't believe it, G.A. Last time the Lakers defeated the Clippers, July 2020, in the bubble, in Orlando, during the pandemic. And then the last time that it happened at Staples Center at Crypto.com Arena now was March 8th, 2020, that was before the world shut down, the pandemic. You we were at my birthday party the night before. Things were—it was a far simpler time when the Lakers beat the uh, Clippers. And now it's been eleven consecutive games, Jihei. G-A, and I—I um, I, I don't want to say that you know. Listen, the Clippers don't run Los Angeles, but by God, if if you were to say who's the better basketball team in town, the proof is in the pudding. It's been eleven straight times the Cl- Clippers have beaten the Lakers.
2: I mean, if you look at that eleven and zero you know, record right yeah. there. You would think that we would we would own LA, but we we unfortunately do not. I mean, it's always going to be a Laker town. Um, I'm just more concerned about how this Clippers team is going to do come playoff time because, yeah. I mean, this was kind of a wash for the Lakers, right? This is going to be an automatic L um, due to the fact that they played in Utah the night before the coming off of, you know, multiple games and winning in OT. Like, you know, these are just, it, it, it's, It's an uphill battle for them Um, and this should have been an automatic L. It should have rested all of your starters. It should have just been one of those like let let them get back to square one kind of things. I don't know if you agree with me or not on that one, Arash, but...
1: No, I mean listen. I mean, because here's the thing. At the end of the day, as much as as much fun as we've had with the Lakers facing the Clippers, and clearly it is a big game for the Clippers. And when their players say it's just another game, it doesn't matter. That's not true. I mean, they walk around town. I mean, it's still a, a weird dynamic. You know, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, for example, going to the Dodgers games and being booed, or going to Rams games and being booed. It's really almost to the point now. Not almost the. Kawhi and uh, Paul George were at a Padres game. They were wearing Padres gear. I mean, they've really said, well, shoot, I mean, if we're, if we're not going to be embraced by Los Angeles, we're going to go, you know, to San Diego and support the the Padres. So it is a big deal when the Clippers face the Lakers. That being said, the one thing that we haven't had, G. Hay, and the one thing that maybe we, we will get this year, although I'm not, I, I When you look at the way the seating is right now, it's probably not going to happen this season, is a Lakers-Clippers postseason series. And so, because at the end of the day, that is what Los Angeles fans care about. That's the only uh, currency that matters to Los Angeles sports fans is how many championships have you won. So while the Clippers have defeated the Lakers, not only 11 straight times, but since that Chris Paul trade, they're like 38-9 or something crazy against the Lakers. They gotta win a championship, though.
2: Yeah, I mean that, that's that's always you know that's always the LA mentality. It's always going to be the LA mentality. You know, you're not you're nobody until you fi- until you win a title, right? Um, that's always going to be the case. It's always been the case. Um, I, I personally, I'm just looking forward to be out being out of that Lakers shadow. Um, leaving leaving, uh, you know, the former Staples Center, I can't call it crypto, I just can't. Um, so, you know, leaving the former um, Staples Center and, you know, getting our own, get, getting our own stadium, getting our own feel, getting our own anything, right? So um, I'm looking forward to that. But also, you know, yeah, you're right. We, we got to win a title. Um, and I would think that this would be the year for them or they would be trying for this to be the year. Kawhi has actually come out and said how much Russell Westbrook is motivating them and making them a better team and making them great, um, greater and hyping them up a little bit more and um, giving that kind of energy. You know, proof's in the pudding. So if he wins us a title all will be forgiven. But at this current moment in time, as I see it, I don't see it happening. So
1: No, and and, and, and I, I want that for the Clippers, by the way. I, you know, I, I know I'm a Lakers fan and I grew up a Lakers fan. But th- that being said, I mean, I, I am hoping for the best for the Clippers. I mean, I think comp... comp competitions fun and I think obviously the hope for the Clippers is you know can we find a way before we move into their new home into a dome the two billion dollar arena that they're building across the street from SoFi Stadium can they have a championship moment of their own can they have that parade and you know I, I don't see it happening right now now with this team I mean here's the thing GA That you know Because you have always Said this With the uh, Clippers That listen I'm not going to believe it Until it happens Even the, the one bet That I won't Beat you in I bet that the Clippers Can't get to, to The conference finals You did not think so um, This was Going into this season Though GA With the return Of Kawhi Leonard Paul George being back The team that they put together Viewed as the best team In Clippers history Had the highest Of expectations Most people thought That they were going to Get to the finals A lot of people thought that they could potentially win. And going into that Lakers-Clippers game last night, they were tied, G.A., for the same record. And it's crazy because this has been such a uh, below-subpar season for the Lakers. They were below five hundred for the majority of the season. They were the 13th seed going into the trade deadline. And now they've put together a team that... Amazingly though, GA, yes, the Clippers won last night, so kudos to them. But they're basically head to head with the Lakers. And I'm like, what the heck happened with this team? And now again, Paul George is out. He's gonna be out for at least another week or so, perhaps out for the first round of the playoffs. And so you're you're once again left to wonder what happened? What happened with the Clippers?
2: Yeah, I mean, if we think that Kawhi is a curse, right, to the uh, the Dallas Mavs. Or any team that he joins, um, that then yeah, you kind of are thinking that same thing because that was the only common denominator that changed, right? Was getting Russell Westbrook onto that squad, onto that Clippers squad. But I, st- you know, I still have hope because I mean, they're finding their groove, they're figuring it out now. Will they win a title? Uh, realistically, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's gonna happen, right. unfortunately. Um, especially considering the talent that you see that's out there. But again, like we said for months. The West is wide open. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the future will hold. I'm, I'm hoping for the best. Expecting the worst.
1: Yeah, and they, I think a lot of Clipper fans think that way. And again, if, if if you don't feel that way and you're a Clippers fan, you probably have not been a Clippers fan for that long. You know, because if you've been through the three one series loss to Houston, the three one series loss to the Nuggets, you know, seeing Kawhi go down in uh, the uh, postseason against Utah, and over the years seeing Chris Paul go down, Blake Griffin go down, I mean, there's always something. There's oh, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop if you're a Clippers fan, and and that's not a knock on the Clippers I mean Clipper fans if they're being truthful will say that that being said again Kudos to the Clippers for beating the Lakers last night and really putting themselves in a position where they're not going to be in that play-in tournament. They are currently the five-seed. The issue with that, and I think a lot of teams are trying to like not be the five-seed, is because the four-seed is the Phoenix Suns, and the four-seed is a Suns team with Kevin Durant, with Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, a team that, according to Circa Sports, could potentially uh, you know, one of the co-favorites to come from the West. Uh, so that's that's the issue and again, if you have championship at, hopes, you probably will have to face the Suns at some point. Um, but you, it would just be like the Clippers, I guess, for them to have this amazing closeout to the season, be the f- fifth seed, and their reward for being the fifth seed is going up against KD and the Suns. Uh, do you have any concern? Again, you got to realize they're going up against the Suns without Paul George. So the, the Clippers will not have not only just the all-around great player that Paul George is, but the wing defender that Paul George would be in that series?
2: My first question is Scott Foster in four of these three ga- of these seven games, right? So if Scott Foster is there, on to the second round, maybe. <laughs> but if if not, then you know I um, I probably would go with. You know, it's, it's going to be a tough battle. I can, still see, I can still see us pulling it out, but Paul George has got to come back. But I I don't think he's gone,
1: right? He's done? He's going to be out for the first round of the uh, playoffs. And again, there is some concern that the way that the Clippers are, are talking about it reminds some people about Kawhi. And again, I'm not saying that Paul George is going to be out for a calendar year. But it's sort of like one of those things where, you know, he's out for a week or he's out for two weeks or he's out for a series. And then you don't really get the full scope of how long he's going to be out until the end of the season so we'll 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 figure that out but um you know if you're if you're the Clippers this is such a crucial season when you talk about the team that you put to Put together, and if they lose in the first round, I mean, you have to start to wonder, you know, what does the future hold for Ty Lu? Does Tai Lu even want to come back? I, I know he wasn't happy with the way things uh, played out that this season um, really had a, a lot of issue with the load management. I mean, his his biggest hope was that at some point there's some consistency here. You know, can we string together, you know, 10, 12 games where we're all playing together? Um, and I, I forgot if it was like a, a week or so ago. I mean, Tyloo didn't know or wasn't informed that Kawhi would be out for the second half of a game. Again, another load management deal. And, and you know, he's, he's just saying, listen, I like the team that we have. The fact of the matter is I'm not being able to coach them on a night in, night out basis. Um, but GA, I think, I think the, the the focus for a lot of fans in Los Angeles is about the Lakers and the, and, and the team they've put together. And what I like about this team is that they are playing together. They're more of a team. They all get their roles. They remind me a little bit, and I don't want to put this out there because that team was a championship team, but the 2020 Lakers, on paper, no one really kind of thought that they were a championship team, but they all got their roles, and again, when you look at that team from top to bottom, whether it's KCP, whether it's Rajon Rondo, whether it's Dwight Howard on a non-guaranteed contract, or Kyle Kuzma, um, I mean, they, they got guys to buy-in and, and, and compete, and they were a great defensive team. This team has that potential. I don't see, however, where a lot of Lakers fans are thinking that this team has a chance to win a championship. I think that, that, that that's uh, crazy. But the moves that the La- La- the Lakers have made, um, do you think, maybe not a championship, but do you think the Lakers could go a- on a run here?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, th- the way that these guys have been playing with one another, they're playing as a team. Yeah. They're playing as a unit. They're not playing, you know, as an. it's not LeBron James and the Lakers. It's the, they're all they're all playing as one right now. So I, I can definitely see them going on a run. Um, I would it'd be interesting to see who they will end up playing, though, that like once we get to that point you know maybe maybe my judgment will change a little bit but again west is wide open so i can see and the way the little lakers have been playing for the last you know 10 15 games they've been great so they they're hitting their stride they're they're playing as a unit they get, they're getting along <laughs> you know there's no drama or controversy there like the drama and controversy right now for the lakers is can they go on a title run and that's that's the only drama that they really have right now Which is great. Um, because it's more in a positive direction for them. I'm sure that's what they want I um, do they will they win a title Probably
1: not. And by the way, I mean people who are talking about a championship. I get it. I get that the West is totally wide open. But I mean the fact that the Lakers are right now in a playoff position. They had they had a chance last night if they had beaten the Clippers to be the five seed. Um, you know they they still have a shot at the six seed as we sit here tonight today they're the seven seed. So um, the fact that they're here, I I, I think is a testament to how great those trades were. But a championship, I mean, I I think that's a lot to ask for this team. Um, GK, I I just came back from Houston. I was at the Final Four. Uh, This UConn run... And you've been watching college hoops for quite some time. Just just the tournament run itself, I think you have to put them in uh, in the conversation for one of the best uh, tournament teams of all time. Uh, none of those games were close. Going into the championship game, um, you know they had they had won games by uh, a, a a average margin of twenty point six points. Um, and so just a just an amazing run by them. Uh, Were you? I know your significant other, your boyfriend, wasn't surprised because he put some, some, uh, some down on the, uh, on UConn. How great was this run historically? I mean, are they in the conversation for the best tour- tournament champions of all time in terms of just this tournament run? And were you surprised at the success that that they had?
2: Not surprised at the success that they had just because I do watch college basketball starting October 15th. Because, yeah, the guys, that's right. That's when it actually the season actually begins for them um, as far as their ability to practice, um, you know, logistics-free. But yeah, no, um, UConn started out the season 14-0. and So for them to start out 14-0, and not be ranked and make it here, it shouldn't shock the nation. Um, That being said, I get that a lot of people don't watch college basketball. So this probably was like, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that UConn came out of nowhere, which they didn't. Um, In my opinion, they didn't come out of nowhere. Um, They are, I believe they're getting in some players as well that are going to be for, for next year that are going to be phenomenal as well. I'm going to help them at least contend um, for a back-to-back title. But I think that they're going to kind of end up like Kansas where they might go out and like the third, they're actually not even the favorites to win the tourney next year. Wow. So if you take that into consideration, maybe they'll, you know, everybody needs motivation. Maybe that's their motivation to just prove everybody wrong and go back to back. The last time pe- anybody went back to back was Florida. So, and that was almost 20 years ago. So, which is crazy that that was almost 20 years ago, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, that was like in the mid 2000s. So, you know, it's really, really hard. It's not only hard to go back to back in the NBA, but hard to go back to back in college as well, because all these kids are leaving or staying or whatever the case may be, they're transferring now, you know, the transfer portal is awesome. Um, They had three transfers actually on that team, which nobody talks about with UConn. They had three transfers, guys, on that squad. So not everybody was on the same squad the year prior. So that's just a testament to Dan Hurley finally getting those adjustments right and those rotations right. Um, It took you all year, man, but you got there. Um, And, you know, a testament also to those kids. Those kids are phenomenal. That team comes together. They have at least four pros on that Starting, uh, not even they have four pros that aren't even on the starting squad. Yeah, like I mean, they they can definitely contend if they stay together and they stay stay for another year, which I believe that they probably will. Um, I mean, they're, they're the mop for Connecticut is a junior.
3: That's
2: real. He's a junior, guys. I mean, he's not even like. And no offense to him, he's gonna be a great college player. He already is a great college player, um, but I don't think that. He's gonna do well pro. Maybe internationally he'll do extremely well, but professionally he's gonna be small down there. He's only six nine. Um, it's uh, Amadoko, um, Amadoku, I believe is, is his last name. So um, he's only six nine. Power beast down there. Um, he he bullies his way in the post, but at the same time, I just professionally, I don't think he's wanting to leave anytime soon so yeah I mean I can definitely see them going on a run sweet 16 for sure if everybody stays healthy that's a huge concern because if you look at UCLA and their run they should have kept going right they should have kept going in that tournament but injury 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 like I mean they had like a good two three guys on the squad that were hurt so you know that definitely was to their detriment and then you play a great Gonzaga team you know and by great, I just mean that they're going to make the tournament great, not they're going to win a title great. I'm still sticking to my guns, Arash. I'm still sticking to my guns that they will never win a tournament in my lifetime. Um, so, I mean, unless something astronomical happens in the transfer portal for them. So, you know, um, as as far as Gunza- or sorry, as far as far Connecticut, welcome to the Blue Bloods, man.
1: I mean, they, 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 anyway, there's a lot of talk about the Blue Bloods, and, um, you know, there's no specific... You know, term, or there's no specific, like, you have to win this amount of championships in this amount of time. But there's no doubt about it. You know, when you've won five championships over a 20, 25 year period of time, they are a blue blood, no doubt about it. Um, And uh, just really happy for the Hurley family. I I got to catch up briefly with Bobby Hurley, their father, Bob Hurley, and Danny Hurley. Uh, Just an amazing story that they have, an amazing story. Pedigree, uh, of course, Bob Hurley, Hall of Fame high school coach, Bobby Hurley, uh, a national champion as Duke, uh, and uh, just an incredible story about perseverance because Danny Hurley, um, you know, really felt a, a lot of guilt that he didn't, you know. You know, his, his brother was this great basketball player and, and he wasn't and he went to Seton Hall and, you know, he tr- tried his best, but it was very hard. And then he tried. And by the way, the the, the path, the way that he took to being a coach was really incredible because, uh, you know, it wasn't because of his last name. He got an amazing job. He got a lot of lower tier jobs and worked his way up and, and now is a national uh, champion and Again, a ton of fun to watch that. Uh, their journey, I, I, I saw them firsthand in Las Vegas at uh, T-Mobile where they won in the Sweet 16, Elite 8, cut down the Nets. and But uh, again... It is so hard to win in the tournament. A lot of great teams lose in the first round. A lot of one, two, three seeds lose in the first round. So for a number four seed like UConn to go into the tournament and not just win these games, but win these games by 20, 30 points. Again, they beat a very good Gonzaga team by 30 points. And so a real testament to Dan Hurley, but it was great to look into the crowd and see them join um, him on the court. Bob Hurley, father, Bobby Hurley, uh, his brother. Um, but again, the it, it's just, again, a testament to how great that family is.
2: No, definitely. I mean, they are tight as, as can possibly be. I just wanted to shout out the fact that he started at Rhode Island for his collegiate mm-hmm. coaching career. Um, Dan Hurley started out at Rhode Island uh, University, and Bobby Hurley started out, I believe, at the University of Buffalo. So small, both small beginnings.
1: Yeah, very cool. Great family. Happy for them and really happy for UConn. Um, but um, all right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, hey, we will be joined by one of our all-time favorite guests, Sonny Vaccaro. The legend, Sonny Vicar, when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network.
0: We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN radio. Time, there's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now, in a city where time disappears. We create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.
1: Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090. ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, we're going to go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and join someone that I've been looking forward to talking to for quite some
3: time. Sonny Vaquero. Sonny, how are you? Oh, I'm probably much better off than the two of you. I'll tell you why. Yes. I'm floating on a cloud.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Sonny, I had such a great time. I'm so familiar with the story because I love Nike. I love Michael Jordan. I love what you've done for the game. So I didn't know what to expect coming into the uh, premiere of the film. It is amazing. And when I tell people that, like, even if they're not sports fans and they don't know anything about the story, it actually helps. How did this story come to be? It's one of the great uh, stories in basketball, um, you know, shoes, obviously, how did
3: this movie come to be? By accident. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had no idea the movie was even being thought of. I knew the people, John Weinbach did a, a feature on me called Soul Man uh, <clears throat> for ESPN, uh, you know, five, six, seven years ago and I knew John and uh, he worked for Mandalay Bay at the time and he went along, but there was a young writer named Alex Conroy who was an intern, uh, a paid intern, just graduated from Southern California that used to go around editing all the, there were 60 hours of of tape uh, on the soul man, I think it lasted five years. And he watched everything about me and in, the in soul man thing, which is all about my life. And most of it was connected to and, you know with Nike. And uh, he had all this thing. Then he, then I did a three, three and a half hour uh, interview for the last dance um, with Michael on the great, you know, of, of all time. And, I wasn't part of it. I really wasn't a a major part of it. Uh, That's what the editor did, and it was fine. It had nothing to do with anything other than I wasn't. But young Alex uh, put the whole thing together and he fell in love with the theory of Air Jordan. And he wrote a script, and the script ended up being this. It got to Mandalay Bay, but it was Skydance now. Skydance had brought Mandalay Bay. And uh, Peter Guber was the owner of both, and Peter's a very successful man. They brought me down two weeks before the the, 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 uh, the all, uh, Super Bowl when it was in Los Angeles a couple of years ago. Yeah. The first time I had met everybody, they brought 15 people. My wife and I had been went there. Uh, Mr. Goober sat down and uh, he explained to me what was happening. I had nothing to do with the script. I had nothing to do with the thought. I didn't really know exactly what they were doing until they invited me to. he invited me to his home. Now I'm sitting down with all these people that – the, movie, the, the, the script has started already. I mean, everyone, they're working on Ben and you know and Matt already, all these people. Pam and I had no idea. We had an idea. Something was happening, and Mr. Goober turns to me and says, would like you involved with the movie, but you have really no say over the movie. But you need <laughs> your expertise. That's basically what. So our, that's how it started. Innocently I had no idea. From there, we figured out a way that we would work it, that you know, Pam and I would operate for the next year and everything I did. I started doing zooms uh, with Matt because I had not met Matt yet. Uh, the first time was an hour and a half, and you know I'm seeing the same little thing here, and he's there in Los Angeles, and he starts asking me about my life and this story, the, the life with George. Not yeah. my life. So <laughs> I, he's going back, and and uh, and you know, to, Matt was very in tune to it. In fact, I don't know if you know he he he. Was brought up five and a half miles from where Patrick Ewing was born in Boston, oh. right outside of Boston. He went to Ridge Latin Ridge Lace High School, where Patrick played. So, but he was fifteen years younger than Patrick, obviously. So he was, you know, still like in junior high, I imagine. So he was a fan. He knew who I was. I mean, because of the Afterlife, but not in 1984. He may not have been born in 84 yet, or it was just a child. So my, that's my point. And we went over everything. And the agreement that I made that I would do everything I could to help Matt and Ben and, and you know, Peter to get this story as right as it can be, according to my eyes. So to take you there and begin our show with, that's, I I was a, a consultant, I imagine, you know, I didn't change. What I did was answer questions and they did what they wanted to do. And then we see what the final two hours ended up with. So your turn. You saw the vision for what the basketball
1: shoes would become, where it's not just, you know, we're going to put our shoe on a player. We want to embody what this personality of this player is. And obviously, the, the beautiful thing about this story, and if people are not familiar with it, at that point in time, Nike was third, right? Uh, Sonny, third. It
3: was Converse. It was Adidas, right? Yeah, Adidas. In the, shoe, in the shoe that your mother and dad probably bought you that we don't know of. That's Exactly. <laughs> okay? That's so but, but what What Nike was, I was hired in 78, 79 by Phil to put the shoes on the college coaches, to put them on the college team so the kids would wear it. So it was the same theory I had 100 years later. It, got, it was a way Sonny could get Pay the, the athletes, in a sense. I didn't give a damn who it was. I wanted to get shoes. That's what Phil wanted me to do, to sell the shoes. So I had no, no clue about the pro entrance. I was invited to a meeting where they were going to make the biggest decision of their life. And they were in third or fourth or fifth place. Makes no difference, because I don't believe if Michael came, we would have, we would have been talking about this. And Nike probably would have done well, because Phil's a bright man. Everything would have turned out good, I, I, I believe, because of his own genius. But it wouldn 't have turned degree it wouldn 't have come to this degree, and you, we wouldn 't have created a legend and a goat, not as a great player as Michael Jordan ended up being, but being the great marketer of all time, and Nike could never be overcome in our lifetimes. They are now the alpha male of that industry
1: there was this amazing moment in the film where michael jordan 's signature shot in college. We've all seen it. You know, the game-winning shot against, when he was in college at North Carolina. But there's this scene where you replay that and you zoom in on how he is. And he's just so relaxed, so relaxed. And he hits the shot. And that was the moment he wanted. And in that moment, Sonny, you saw this is not just a player. This is not just
3: a top three pick. This is a superstar. What did you see there? I saw something that broke my heart. I was at the game, Pam and I were at that game. They were playing Georgetown for the national championship, okay? Georgetown and UNLV at that time were my – I knew John and I knew Jerry Benner and I knew all the other coaches, but I honestly adored the other coaches because they wore Nike shoes. We had 70-some teams at that time. I was at the game. The game's almost over. It's now, you know, tied, losing by one, close all damn day, and Michael Jordan hits the shot. God is my judge. Audience, listening to this, and I'll say it again and again till I die. I didn't give a darn about Michael Jordan. I was just off that Michael Jordan made the shot. What <laughs> stayed in my mind was he made the shot. When the game's over, let me just tell the audience: I never talked to Mike Jordan. You know, at, at any time up until then, I didn't care about North Carolina. Up until then, I didn't. I didn't know Dean Smith. Okay, he broke my heart. Two years have now passed. Never in my wildest dreams at that time did I ever think Nike was going to be at a point where we're, we're going to be big enough to get a, a, a marketing you know athlete because it's never been done before. Magic was there and Larry Bird and all those guys prior to them. They got deals with shoe companies, but they, they just wore their shoe. They put them on the back of Sports Illustrated or something like that. That was the marketing part. I remembered the shot in my mind. Never mentioned his name. I, I would bet a dime on that. For the, until they asked me that question. Strasser comes to me. There are five people in the room, plus me, that he wanted us to vote on who we should, who Nike should invest their money in. Swear to God Almighty. For some reason, some strange quirk fate, I was the last guy. I was the only one that – I. all five of those guys before me were closer to Nike than I was. I didn't stay at Nike. I didn't live there like the movie stays 30 or 20 hours a day. I, used to, I was a transient employee. Yeah. So he asked me that question, and for what reason? Because one second before he asked me that question, I, Michael Jordan was not on my mind. Then he he calls me, and I said, Give it to the kid. He said, What do you mean? What kid? Give it to the Jordan kid of North Carolina. And that <laughs> changed the world. Everyone in that room, including Rob Strasser at that time, thought I was crazy. He was on the board, but as you know, there were four Hall of Fame players on that board. Yeah. You know, and one of them being Charles Barkley, John Stark, and Michael. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, team Elijah won pretty goddamn good, you know. <laughs> right, right? And whatever fate is, what is karma, whatever it is, you know, magical in our lives that we all think so. That day changed the world, and Rob Strasser and Phil Knight eventually said yes to it, changed the world. One of the
1: beautiful things about the story is you see the beginning stages of this company and Phil has the principles of the company on the board. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, they watch Shark Tank and they, and they watch these films studying, and they want to like, what is the next big company? What was it like being on the ground floor, the beginning stages of a startup that becomes this multi-billion dollar company? You know what? Great
3: question. No one give a damn because you. Everyone in the world at that time, especially America, thought the only company in the world was Converse. Mm -hmm. Converse tennis shoe. They were playing tennis. They were playing basketball. They were playing. You know, going shopping. That's that was the way it was in the 60s and 70s. That's what I. A tennis shoe was the all everything shoe, right? Then Adidas in Europe owned that world. Adios and the two brothers. Everyone knows the story. They were classic. They, they had leather, they had a lot of things that American people didn't have. That's the only two, if you had somebody who a quiz, I'll bet you dined a donut, the only two things that era kids like me would have said would have been converse ideas. Jordan never, you know, I used to call Nike, Nicky. I didn't know how, to, <laughs> that, that's, I swear to God, that, that's true story. So to say we are in competition, there was no competition. It was a Deist or Converse to make your choice. from. there was no pro kids and the other thing. They didn't know that. The biggest miracle in the world that Michael and then later his mother changed the world by going. We were a big upset in Vegas. Is you know you guys know I gamble a little bit. My brother and all that stuff <laughs> in Las Vegas. It was it was a hundred thousand that that would that event was going to happen. But life changed when I first met Michael at Tony Romo. The three and a half and a half months it took me to you know and, and nike to sign them you know th- then it was uh well we know as you just said the greatest company in the world
2: yeah sonny it is an honor to be talking to you today i cannot tell you i've i've watched every single thing that has to do with you i'm i'm so blessed to, to, for you to even be in our presence um i was wondering in the in the movie air it looks like um, Michael's parents are ridiculously influential when it came to the decision of being signed on. Um, is that an accurate? Uh, can, can we say that that was that was pretty accurate?
3: It was not. It's not only an accurate, young lady. It's the absolute truth. I didn't know. Obviously, I didn't know Dolores or James prior to meeting Michael at the, the Tony Romans. But that day, there was a small inkling. As we are leaving in hugging, as my want would would have been all my all my life, as hugging the people I'm with. Michael walks out and said, you know, yo, I'm not, you know, Mr. Vaccaro, I want to go with Adidas. I mean, basically, he said, you know, my parents, you know, he somehow he involved his parents in our la- our first and, you know, I thought maybe the last conversation. I knew then, my, and I don't know how I knew, so don't ask me to waste five more minutes of our time. I didn't <laughs> know. But after that first meeting, then I met him again with David Falk and Rob Strasser to talk deeper because the Olympic games were in LA in 1984. So we had this meeting with Falk, Rob, and myself at at the Hermitage Hotel in Beverly Hills. And then we knew that maybe money's gonna be involved. Never talk about the signature shoe and all that stuff. That was the first day. Why did I call? Because I remember the last little hug from Michael was, my parents were really involved in my, my life at that time, okay? My thing, to Strasser, We made it. We had this famous thing that's in there, you know, with with he and I arguing all that stuff. Falk, I'm talking about. But my psychological part was, I told Rob and I told Phil, I said, "How the heck do I? Meet? I got to meet the family." And they said, "You figure out how you meet the, met the fam- you know, meet the family." And after phone calls, just one time, that was that was all phone calls. I didn't know Dolores. I didn't know James. Okay, we had a connection, which later became a lifelong connection. Okay, okay. but then she took the call and I built up a relationship and everything goes evolves like you know the, the movie says sort of I got close to the parents and the the harder it was for the public and even David Falk to think I'm going to sign you know Michael the easier it became because Michael wasn't going to make this thing I mean he loved Adidas for what a young person would love him for, right he loved the outfit he did. He liked the, the sweatsuits. He brought up the sweatsuits. That's that. still in the movie, but I remember when I saw it cut. Michael like, loved those ill-appearable sweatsuits. Diaz was ahead of everybody's style. There's no question about that. And I stuck with Dolores and James. And then when I finally got to meet them in person, the rest happened. Though That last part of that movie, when Viola takes over the movie, I mean, yeah. my, he is. Yeah, she's an incredible actress. Absolutely. <laughs> I honestly believe it wasn't acting that she was doing. We just yes. enjoyed Mrs. Jordan in a different way. Because Bill Knight knew, Rob Strassen knew, and I knew a little earlier, not as deep as that the meeting in uh, the meeting in Oregon. No, not those words come out of her mouth, you know. So I knew that the one opening wasn't I never saw Michael again to Oregon, just so you're yeah. understand. And I didn't see him from Tony Romers till they came to Oregon. So it's, <laughs> the meeting at the at the you know the Olympic Games down on the beach there that, that was all different. all the other meetings Michael was never there. <laughs> I didn't I can. but Mrs. Jordan did it. She I, love did it. it. I love it I love it that's awesome. you see' it's amazing this, but Mr. Jordan, let me just say this if I can real quick yeah well, yeah when they were able when he did this over. No one knew what the hell it was here. Nike was going to be happy if we sold ten shoes, because last year we sold five shoes and you know, you know, other shoes other than the Jordan thing. But when we started marketing, when Rob and Peter and the and the marketing department, when Spike Lee became involved, when you know I love Ella, when Nike then started becoming bigger, also through their commercials, no one knew mm-hmm. what the shoe looked like and all that. Yeah, really didn't know what Michael shoe looked like. That's what did it, Michael Jordan open to the world in 1984, to the athletes, that someday you won't just be an employee of the company that gives you a contract, you'll be part of it. See, no, one went, no one's talking about that today, especially today where it's up, our world's crazy, right? Yeah. Michael opened the doors. Even LeBron did not get a piece of it when he signed. He got a hundred million dollars, which is a goddamn good piece, but <laughs> I'm sorry. But that's a, <laughs> did not, no he did not get a point. Michael Jordan was the greatest marketer in the world. And he will be remembered more for allowing the athlete and making the signature shoe or putting the power into the athlete's department than he is one of the greatest players that ever lived in scoring points and winning seven championships. Because what he did by opening up a new venue was a whole way to earn. No. For the athletes. It was a predator to NIL. The college kids finally got a thousand years later. Jordan did that. Sonny, last question for you. We are on the air in Las Vegas. Vegas is seen briefly at
1: the beginning of the movie. I was just hanging out with Jimmy at the oh. South Point in Las Vegas. A legend, of course, as you know, your brother. Um, what Vegas has become, I think it's amazing. For the first time ever, they had a West Regional there. In 2028, they'll have the Final Four there. And I kept thinking, what would Shark think? What would the Jerry Tarkanian think that the NCAA has finally embraced Las Vegas?
3: Well, let me, let me say this, okay? That, to me, is like one of those 10 most, most important things in my life that happened because for all those years, I'm not a fan of the NCAA, so I know we're on a time right now, okay? That shows you how hypocritical they are. When I used to run my big time tournament, my events, and, and, there, and Tark was obviously the man of the town, he, he really was. I wasn't allowed to put the teams in hotels that had gambling. They had to stay in Motel 6. They had to do this, they had to do that. So we see now, all these years later, not only are they allowing the team to play there, they want the team. They're gonna bring the MCAA finals. These big hypocrites. These big <laughs> hypocrites. No gambling going on today than it was the thousand of years before there was a, you know, a utopia called Las Vegas. Okay, <laughs> so I'm saying to you, just like a lot of things in our country, it took them, it took them eternity to do. But there have been six or seven presidents of the NCAA that blasphemed, that screamed at, and they screamed at me, they screamed at Tark. Tark, Tark opened that door, You everybody knows that. <laughs> he, he made Vegas human by his own quirks. That's what he did. He, he was Jerry Tarkany with the little short slave, and he looked like he was on the street somewhere, right? <laughs> Tarkany was as the smart as they had. But to, to say this, I'm very happy now. I'm happy that men and the women are having the tournaments because Las Vegas is and has been. The only point difference, everybody knew in the 50s and 40s when they first started, everyone saw Good Followers and Bad Fellows and, you know, <laughs> and all the movies. But you know what? Isn't it interesting? We got the tabernacles <laughs> of all the churches there. We got all the good people there. We're all celebrating in Las Vegas, and it makes me happy. But it makes me sad for all the people who were punished because it was a sin to come to Las Vegas and play basketball. I have to say that. No, so. it's 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 great, and you
1: were well. Well, and you have been your entire life well ahead of the curve here. And I just can't recommend this movie enough. Uh, you know, by the way, perfect timing coming out right after the final four in Houston. Uh, Sunny, you're the best. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, this has been such a highlight for us. So that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe and stay healthy.
0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through
3: the hard times, worrying faces. Chance is as we bury brothers close
0: to heart. What was a friend now? coasting the